What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We got Robert Sykes here, KetoSavage.com, and special guest, repeat guest, Teresa Dodd. How are you doing, Teresa? I'm really, really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we get you got all kinds of new and exciting things going on. I just want to kind of dive into the details behind some of that. Um, I guess to to let people know kind of where we left off, the first podcast with you was following up your first competition in which uh, you pretty much did that one all by yourself. You you tapped on my shoulder for like the last you know peak week strategy, but that was pretty much all you. And then you've just uh, recently done nationals uh, about a month ago i guess it was it was over about a month ago yeah yes i think it's just on six weeks now yeah very good and, and that one we, we were working pretty much because you after your first show you had went on a trip to uh vietnam right that's right yeah we went away for a couple of weeks and then and then, uh, and, prepped. And, and then came back and, and prepped and um and yeah and i was very fortunate to to have you coach me into that so we could we could go into the the detail and and give everyone an update for sure yeah uh what what um kind of give some stats like what was your you know in concluding the last uh competition like what was your way at the end of that what happened during the uh, time in vietnam with your traveling and then where'd you kind of start for the prep for the nationals sure um, so when my, my stage weight um, for both competitions ended up being, um, I think, almost identical on the day. So um, for me, I'm going to put it out there with the, the caveat that I'm, I'm a really small person. So 44 and a half kilos. Um, and sorry, again, I haven't, I haven't done that conversion to pounds for you. Um, but that ended up being my stage weight on, on the day. So when I finished my first comp and then it was a week later, we went away for the trip. Um, which was amazing. So anyone who's considering going to Vietnam should should definitely do it. It was wonderful. Uh, so we had two weeks away, and and I thought I was really well prepared for that. I I you know thought of like how am I going to manage my food? You know I don't want to go crazy because I knew I was coming back um, with nationals. But there were definitely a lot of moments of of temptation, and I wasn't eating anything that was particularly bad for me or not necessarily keto. Um, but it was more the sheer volume of food that I think um, there were a couple of occasions. That, that I let myself go on so um, you know so there, there was a little bit of catching up to do when I got back and I think I put uh, what was I I can't remember exactly what my uh, starting weight was when we started working together but it was definitely maybe three or so kilos more than what I was on stage three maybe four kilos um, yeah, so that was my starting point. And I also thought that when I, I had miscalculated some of the time that I had to work for it. So when I came back from holiday, I was expecting to have um, more like um, eight weeks, I think, to comp for nationals, but it ended, ended up only being six weeks. Yeah, it was a, it was a super quick, uh, I mean, yeah. it's kind of a little different. Like most people, you know, I recommend doing, you know, four or five months prep. You had already prepped. I mean, how much time had elapsed between your the end of your last competition and the the prep for the second competition it wasn't that much oh, time no like three weeks yeah, yeah yeah it was it was super quick because you went to vietnam basically immediately after the first show yes. right yes yes absolutely um so yeah so it was 
it was pretty intense. And I think because I hadn't, you know, at the beginning of the year when I set out, um, you know, with I just wanted to, to do the first competition and see how I went, you know, it hadn't been my intention. And I certainly didn't think that I was going to qualify for nationals. So the fact that I had done that, um, and there's also a little bit of anomaly, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about how nationals went itself. So um, the federation, um, NABA in New Zealand that I was competing in, um, with the way the rulings work for the novice class that I was in, once you have um, won a class um, and you've competed then in a in a nationals competition or anything, you 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 cannot compete as, as a novice the following year. So because in the first competition um, I came first in my class and then also won an overall title, I knew that nationals was the last competition I could do as a novice. Um, and I really wanted to do it just for the experience more than anything um, so that it was another one under my belt and then I could really consider for 2018 exactly what my strategy would be. And you're doing, because you are competing again in 2018, right? Yeah, I'm planning to at this stage. I haven't picked a date yet. Um, so, yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm not sure what to do for that, but I, I would definitely like to because I've got a, um, a trip planned to the U.S. actually um, next year. So at this stage, we're pretty pretty keen on coming across for KetoCon, which um, the, dates, the dates have been announced now. So that's in June. Um, so that's what we'd like to do. Well, I, I definitely plan on being there as well, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So, so a competition, um, would you do it before or after KetoCon? At this stage, I'm thinking it'll probably be before. So um, so I live in, in Auckland, which is the largest city in New Zealand um, in the near the top of the North Island. And um, I'd like to stay at home if I can. So both my competitions that I did this year, I had to travel away from home. Um, so there's... There's a couple in Auckland that I could do. Um, so the first one would be sort of maybe late April, perhaps early May, um, which would be maybe quite good timing. And then if I if there would probably be another one, it would be somewhere in the July August time frame. So I'm thinking that the early one, the earlier one, is better because nationals is always around the same time, which is sort of the the end of October. Now let let me ask you this. I mean, for for me personally, like I I always recommend taking you know a minimum of you know, a year or two off in between competitions, especially as a natural competitor to put on more size. What, yeah. What's triggered you to, to compete back to back basically? I guess it's, um, it's, there's a couple of things. Um, one, it's kind of what I, I see everybody um, around me doing. So you kind of assume that, that that's the way to go. Um, at the back of my mind, um, because obviously I've listened to a lot of your podcast and, and followed your own journey, and, and I know that that's the approach that you take as well. Um, and I have certainly mulled over whether or not 2018 is the right year to compete again. Um, and purely also, um, not just because of um, your recommendations, and I know for me, um, size is something Thing that I really do need to focus on it is it is a bit of a goal um, but I know I've got an awful lot going on in 2018 which um, we're probably going to discuss this morning as well yeah yeah you've got a full <laughs> schedule for sure yeah um, talk talk a little bit about uh, I'd love to hear kind of the mindset that went with you know you're you're in Vietnam after your first show first of all I mean your first show was great I mean people should definitely listen to that first podcast if they haven't already to kind of go into the details behind that but then kind of what happens with your mentality when you're, you know, in Vietnam, you're on vacation, you're traveling, you got all kinds of food at your fingertips, and then you have to stay focused and disciplined because you know as soon as you get back, you have to hit the ground running again for that next competition. Yeah, that was that was quite something, um, which is why I did a little bit of homework on it before I went away. So. 
um, you know, I've one of the things that I've learned this year is that um, habits and your sometimes your subconscious decisions that you make and just your routines have an incredible impact on your day to day life and your successes and any kind of goals that you set for yourself. So because I already knew that, I knew I needed to do a bit of work. And so one of the things that I've sort of recognized about myself is that um, the environment that I've created around myself to achieve the goals for for bodybuilding this year have been a huge part of those successes. So, um, you know, when I when I shop, when I sleep, when I eat, when I tra- and when I train, that routine, the environment, which also includes the people that I surround myself um, by, my support network, all of that has an incredibly important part around being successful towards those goals. So you take yourself um, away from home and, and out of your regular environment, go away on this incredible trip. Um, and there is just temptation everywhere. Um, first, I, you know, I mean, I want to say that for Vietnam, the food was incredible. And you could, um, being a ketogenic person, you could choose great food. And although there was lots of things like rice and noodle-based dishes, um, they're also, because of the way the, the country has developed over, um, you know, several decades and the influence that they have from um, Americans and the French before them, that there's a lot of um, other food as well. So um, by the time we went to Vietnam, I was pretty much experimenting with how um, an almost zero carb carnivore keto approach went for me and I was responding really well so um, I found that um, beef had literally just become something that I craved quite naturally so we were eating in a lot of steak restaurants and things like that while we were away but there were also things so in the the two different places the hotels and the resort where we stayed um, you know as a part of the accommodation deal there was this amazing buffet breakfast that was included every day and you would go in there and you could it was just this enormous room full of all the all the different kinds of food that you could possibly think of um, and there was great things so you know salmon and tuna and dishes and all your um, charcuterie um, meats the delicatessen type stuff and then all the traditional um, you know hot food breakfasts and my real weakness and something that I had missed a lot during prep was pancakes <laughs> I love yes. pancakes peanut butter um but of course i knew that it was all going to be made with wheat-based flour and um and so the first place where we stayed the pancakes you actually had to order it separately from uh from a menu so it was great it was really easy for me because i couldn't see it i just wasn't even thinking about it but then when we moved across to um from ho chi minh city to da nang and the pancakes were out and i and i didn't and i didn't indulge and i didn't indulge and then i think i caved on like the last second to last day or something like that and chose the smallest one I could possibly find but um, (laughs) it was was one of those things that um, you know it's you I kind of recognize that if you just say um, you know on your normal day-to-day life as as a ketogenic person you might go to a restaurant and in that one occasion it's really easy to decline the things that you know you don't want to eat but when you've been in that situation and surrounded by it 24 7 for sort of 10 to 14 days it's how how you know much staying power have you got to really kind of resist everything that's around you, um, yeah. So there was a couple of small indulgences, and I definitely um, responded in exactly the way I knew I would. I blew up. I was uncomfortable, and it tasted great. But it was it was one of those things immediately that you get that that um, sweet taste back in your mouth, and your body is like, oh yeah, I remember this. Get me some more of that. And it's like, okay, no, no. <laughs> There's the potential to unleash unleash a real beast here, and I I don't need to do that again. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, 
I don't know. I, I have not had, you know, like a carb-based meal in, in like three years. So I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of scared to just try some. I don't even know how my body would respond. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that I think, um, you know, is everyone knows at the back of their mind, this is going to make me feel awful. Um, and you kind of just sort of, you know, find yourself sometimes maybe in that situation where you do it. And, um, you know, and I just, but it was it was great for me. I sort of thought I can either beat myself up about the fact that, that that's happened or I've just got to get back on the bandwagon. One, because I had this incredible next goal that I needed to achieve, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and to prep for comp um, and so it was just okay can't change what happened yesterday I can only deal with where I am in the moment and move forward and so that's that's what I did it's probably a really good thing that you had you know that whole time you were gone in the back of mind you knew that you had that competition looming so that probably kept you on the rails much more so than if that wasn't the case it did. It did. And one of the things that I recognized as well. So I think depending what um, what it is that people are finding that they're missing, like so for some other people, um, like I pretty much, um, you know, I haven't I haven't drunk alcohol this year at, at all either. So whereas, you know, red wine would be something that I've really enjoyed a lot in the past or, um, you know, a great mojito cocktail. Um, and I, I found it really easy not to those were not the things that I wanted while I was away, um, you know, and so not drinking was was not a problem for me. It's the, the sweet tooth stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was good to help me recognize my own vices. It's interesting. I was talking to Crystal about this the other day, as a matter of fact, because she's always had a really you know pronounced sweet tooth, but she's just kind of rolled over the year mark for not uh, having carbs. And it seems yeah. like once you hit that point, you like reach a new degree of adaptation and you truly don't even crave that anymore. Like it's almost It almost becomes like a... A mentality thing in which you know you've gone this long without it and you just it's much easier to say no like like thanksgiving was just here in the states and uh you know there's you know carbs abundantly but we, we didn't even feel the urge to indulge and yeah i've noticed that so my my one year anniversary was um the week after national so that um, i think it's the 31st of of october um, and I've definitely noticed that it's that it's a lot less. Um, and I think the only reason I really noticed it um, while we were away was just we were in a completely different environment. You know, it's like being picked up off of you know um, you know from home and put on another planet kind of situation. Um, so because so much had to change around, I think it's where it stood out. And it was interesting because I followed a lot of people on social media over um, your Thanksgiving weekend with the you know thinking in the back of my mind that Christmas is coming up as well so that's going to be um my second um keto Christmas but I'm really looking forward because I I know so much more at this point really looking forward to um how I'm going to go with that and and I'm already I'm not really thinking about the the other sorts of food it's just more about kind of think kind of being with family and friends and and enjoying that space absolutely absolutely um we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know so you get back from from the vacation in Vietnam, you're starting. You got six weeks to prep for nationals, um, which which is crazy. Were you able to train that much in Vietnam? Only a really a little bit. There was there was a couple of facilities where we were, but we were really busy with actually getting out and about during the day and enjoying you know what we were there to see. So there wasn't a huge opportunity to do that. Did you feel like you were kind of like backtracking while you were gone or was that like just you know I needed this break it was good for me let's just hit hit the ground running when I return 
because I was concerned that I was definitely going to lose some ground because I've, you know, I've been away from the gym before and I know even a two-week break, you know, you can feel like you can't lift as much when you get back in there. But I also knew that I would bounce back pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I definitely needed the mental um, space between the two, um, you know, because it had been so intense for the first competition. So I was definitely looking forward to that break. Absolutely. Well, talk about uh, the six weeks of prepping for nationals. What was that like? How did, how did that compare with with the first prep? Was it easier? Was it was it harder? I think I I was um, much more relaxed about it because I had done it once already, so I knew what to expect. Um, you know, I tracked most of my data pretty well from the first competition, and you and I were liaising so much over that, so it was helping to um, reinforce and, and remember about the things that I had done well and, and what had worked. Um, so it, I was a little bit more relaxed from that perspective about it, but um, it definitely felt um, just as hard at the first as it did the first time round. Um, there were a couple of um, occasions, you know, when I first came back and I realised that, oh my gosh, I, I haven't quite got as many weeks as what I thought I did to prep for it. I gave myself my um, my oh crap moment and then it was like, right, I, I can't dwell on that now. Let's just actually um, look at, you know, what that means in terms of the loss of time and how can I make some of that up. So I definitely um, squeezed in some extra training sessions to try and make up what I would have done in that two weeks that I missed. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was probably um, just as as challenging as it was the first time round. Yeah, I think I think the fear of the unknown just weighs on you so much more when you're doing your first competition prep, and that that in itself is like a you know a huge weight that just kind of like hangs over you, and it makes it harder mentally. But I mean, the the training didn't change, the 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 food didn't change. I mean, just the fear of the unknown for that first prep is what makes it you know that other degree of of difficulty it is it is it's knowing you know because the first time I don't know um, am I going to be ready by the right date have I allowed enough um, weeks to get to the point where I know I need to be and how is my body going to respond to this so because I'd done it once already I knew that it was going to come in the hardest thing for me was handing it all over to you and saying okay you're in charge you're in the driving seat do this for me that um, you know being my the type a personality that I am that was probably my biggest challenge yeah, how did that go for you? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> you know, it, and in my heart of hearts, I knew you knew what you're talking about, and clearly, you know, you did, um, and it was fantastic. I'm I'm really glad that I did that because I learned so much as well. So that that was great. Was there anything that changed? Like, if you had, um, like, I had Gary on the podcast a couple weeks back, and uh, he had just done his prep with me as well, and there was like instances where he would have done the macros a little bit differently was there anything that you noticed was different uh, than what you would have done had you done the prep yourself for sure yeah um i think there were particularly in the first couple of weeks um i think you were a lot more generous with my macros than than what i would have been um you know and and i think i probably but i think i would have done it almost and particularly with my first um prep as well as i almost did it from a little bit of a, a panic mentality you know gosh i better not have my macros too high i better not have um too much protein because you know maybe i won't dial in as tight as i need to be for the day um so there were a couple of moments where it was higher than my expectations and i thought oh my gosh you know let's let's just hope that this is going to work um 
but it but it did and so that was one of the most one of the things that I learned about it um, and it's been interesting as a comparison because where I am now six weeks post comp in terms of what I'm eating and how I'm responding in the gym um, all of that is sort of building a much clearer picture of what it is that I respond to so I've got a lot more information um, for you know second round of competing very good very good yeah I think I think a lot of people kind of have like this panic mentality and they they cut their macros too quickly and then they're going to lose a lot of muscle it just it just kind of has a negative implication to it um but we tapered your macros pretty quickly i mean we we started off a little higher coming off a vietnam trip but i mean we 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 tapered them pretty quickly with the the six weeks that we had we did we did yeah and there was you know and I, I can remember you know at that one point and and I said to you you know don't don't be afraid to be aggressive with it and then you were and I was like okay so I made a mistake I'll have some protein back please so <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah I know that was that was gone um yeah but it's it's amazing you know there's still those moments where there's other people that I'm I'm following online and and um you know they might be posting something as a as a as you know as one of their meals or post-workout training and it's some, you know, some type, uh, you know, portion of protein, and they're lamenting how small it is. And I'm thinking, dude, you're eating in in one meal what my allowance is for a whole day. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting how it varies so much from person to person. Yeah, especially I mean, from ketogenic competitor to non ketogenic competitor. Because what what was your protein at towards the very end? There? I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I think we got it down to it was somewhere in the 45 to 50 gram window. Yeah, which is, I mean, I mean, any other any other competitor that you were up against that day was probably you know three times that, if not more. Easily, easily, yeah. And and I have to say that you know on the day itself, I mean, that my first competition was a little bit of an eye opener um, because I haven't obviously done this, um, you know, competing as a uh, with a traditional bodybuilder's diet. But on the day itself at nationals behind stage. Some of the things that I saw athletes doing in terms of what they were eating, the food they had in their bags and what they were consuming literally before they went on stage was just unbelievable. Um, One of the um, uh, competitors that was actually in my class that I stood up against, she was eating two to three tablespoons of straight um, total sugar maple syrup. Um, right before she stepped on stage, um, you know, and there was it was quite a few athletes actually who were drinking wine as well, mm-hmm. um, and I, and they just oh, they were miserable and they were snapping at the people that were there to help them and everyone pretty you know felt pretty awful, um, some of them and they just couldn't wait to be finished. But again, it was exactly the same as my first experience. I felt great. I had loads of energy. Um, yeah, I was yeah it was it was quite different again to see the two. Yeah, it, it's a. Uh... I don't know, like, it just blows my mind because, I mean, from a bodybuilding perspective, you know, the traditional route is definitely still the, you know, the most common method used. And it just, you know, looking at competitors backstage, looking at them during that last month of prep and then kind of comparing that with what I know now as a ketogenic competitor, it's like, I don't know how in the world you would want to do anything different than a ketogenic prep. I know, I know, It's I feel the same. And it was interesting because, you know, I, I try really hard not necessarily to bring up what I'm doing with other people and, unless they kind of ask because a lot of people, if, if they've never heard of this or they don't know about it, but particularly if they're, a, a, you know, a bodybuilder in, in this space, they're usually not ready to hear this information. So when they notice that I'm doing things different and, and then they come in and ask me about it, then I've been, you know, slowly drip feeding them little bits of information. But I've had a lot of people reach out to me 
me, um, you know, since the comps and, and doing podcast, um, you know, recordings as well and, and ask for a bit more information. So it's it's encouraging to see people looking to consider a different approach. Um, but I, I still think it's going to be a long time, you know, particularly in this sporting space for people to really embrace it. Yeah, I think I think the best thing that, you know, you and I and other competitors can do is just, you know, lead by example. And if we're winning and if we're bringing another degree of definition that they can't even compare to, then it's like, okay, their, their interest is going to peak. And then once they see the other benefits, you know, just like from the health perspective and the cognitive enhancement, then then their eyes will be opened even more. But, you know, we have to illustrate first that you can get leaner and perform better but i mean that's definitely something that's possible so the more competitors that come you know and step on stage as you know ketogenic competitors the more it's going to become mainstream in my my hopes anyways yeah i i would agree i'd agree and it's it's i think the the um, mental clarity side of it in terms of um you know your general overall well-being and all of the other long-term benefits of it though is is the one thing that for some people it's it's going to be really hard to comprehend because you can be really successful as an athlete but you really can't explain to someone and to um what they're going to experience in terms of say that brain fog lifting until they actually step into the space and do it for themselves so that's the only thing that's really hard to quantify but i am really hopeful you know like you say that role modeling doing this that um more people will be prepared to to take it on and give it a go i completely agree it's crazy because like from a you know competition prep standpoint you know three to four to five months long prepping you know especially those last two months like anything outside of the prep itself becomes like a cloud you know like working in your 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 career your job your family relationships your friends like everything kind of just like becomes faded until after the competition if you're following a you know traditional protocol whereas with with keto i mean dieting for a competition is hard no matter what you're going to be hungry no matter what protocol you're on but with keto at least i've found i mean you still have like my, my mental clarity my energy was improving and increasing the closer to competition i got because by default, you know, my, as my protein would taper, as your protein would taper, your ketones are going to become more elevated as your fat ratio increases. I mean, you just wind up feeling and performing better, and it, the exact opposite is true with the traditional prep. And I don't, I don't once have to know going into a prep that everything else, all other aspects of my life are going to suffer for that three-month, you know, two, three-month window. So it's nice to know that everything else is, is not going to take the back burner. I, I agree. Yeah, I I can't imagine what it must be like as a as a bodybuilder who follows the traditional approach, knowing that in those last two to three months, how bad you're going to feel for that period of time. I I don't know if I if I would keep competing if that was the case. Whereas I'm um, I'm astounded actually at how much I managed to do at the same time as prepping for both of these competitions because there was so much going on, um, you know, for me in my day to day life and work and, and things at home outside of the competition itself, which is which is a pretty big deal. And that is a great segue to talk into what <laughs> has been going on outside the competition. Um, so. But yeah, it's just uh, I know a little bit, but I mean, let, let, let's uh, I'm gonna let you explain kind of what what was going on the last two weeks of, of prep. Oh wow, okay, it was crazy. So, so I've had, um, or my husband and I have had um, a real interest in a hankering for a while now too. Um, to make being in this space in terms of um, being in the health and fitness world um, a more permanent um, option for us in terms of, um, you know, from a, from a business perspective. And um, and we would really, really like to get into owning our own gym. And um, we've, we've tried a couple of times to do that. We've, we've looked at a few opportunities. 
And while we were away um, in Vietnam, you know, I was scrolling businesses for sales section, as you do when you're at the beach, um, and happened to find <laughs> a gym that was for sale. And it kind of ticked, um, you know, on you're looking at it from the outset, a lot of the boxes for us in terms of, you know, what it was that we were looking for. And so I got in touch with the agent. Um, and, you know, when we got home, we had all the information come out to us and we looked into it and we made an offer to purchase it, which was accepted. So at that point, this was two weeks before I was still on stage at Nationals and we had a 15-day due diligence clause. So we had the opportunity to really delve into the details of the business and find out how it was operating. Um, and so this particular um, facility um, had a bit of a, a niche aspect to it and it was sort of working um you know, it was running corporate uh, wellness programs alongside working in a, um, it was in a, in a business park. And so it catered primarily to the, the employees that were working across the various businesses there. Um, so at the same time of, you know, I was at that stage getting up, you know, at four in the morning and heading to the gym for training before I would go and do an, a 40 plus hour work uh, week. I was also trying to coordinate uh, lawyers and finance and the various other advisors that I needed to work with um, and finding out all the information and, and getting through the due diligence because there's a huge amount of work um, that happens with that. Um, we were also liaising with the business park itself so there was a massive process that we needed to go through in terms of being approved by the landlord before we could also purchase this business. Um, so I was doing very very long days. At the same time um, my husband who's um, the general manager of the company where he works um, in transport, he was spending a lot of time in Australia and he was away several days um, of every week as well um, doing some work over there so it's, it kind of meant that everything else sort of fell to me so I was very tired I was getting very little sleep um, and it just compounded everything so um, yeah in the, the end though um, what happened is that we there were some things that we discovered during the due diligence process which is what it's for that meant that it wasn't going to be the right opportunity for us so after putting all of that work and expense and time into it it meant that um, the sale didn't actually go through However, having said that, um, as a part of the process, we um, we got a valuation done on our house. That was something that the bank required. Um, and that came back at being something, um, you know, higher than what we were expecting. So um, because this is something that we still want to do, this is still a goal. Um, we want, you know, we want this to be what we're going to do in the future. We've decided to make some changes in our personal circumstances and almost just restructure where all of our equity lies. So we have put or we are putting our house um, on the market and we'll be selling in the new year. Um, and we're downsizing to a much smaller property, which I'm I'm heartbroken about on one hand because we built our home nine years ago. We currently live on a two and a half acre lifestyle block. Um, I have two fur babies I've got Dobermans and um, so we needed to look for something that was going to have enough space for them so we're we're moving into um, a space potentially less than half the size the house itself of what we've actually got and on to about a thousand square meters um, and we're doing all of this because the long-term goal is to still be able to get ourselves um, into a business either to open one from scratch or to purchase another gym the next time it comes up and um, at the moment this is you know if I was to take the playing the long the long game plan approach this is what I need to do to get us into that space wow okay I've, I've got like a million different questions for you are you ready yeah sorry that was a bit of a diatribe <laughs> no 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 that's good that's good we, we haven't talked in a while so it's good to catch up um yeah. okay so the you know you get two weeks left until you're stepping on stage for nationals this is your second competition yeah. you've only given yourself six weeks to prep everything's crazy as it is 
you know, your husband's traveling a lot for work. You're working a lot. You got the due diligence process. You got a lot of money on the line, and mm -hmm. you know, stress levels through the roof. You're not sleeping, and at the end of the day, the the sale doesn't even go through because you find something in due diligence that that isn't as appealing as you had originally thought. Now, you have two ways to take this mentality. You can say, oh, wow, if that hadn't have happened, had I not even jumped into that, I probably could have focused more on the competition, maybe done better than I had. Or you can take the approach of, you know, I'm glad this was as hard as it was. Even though the sale didn't go through, I've got a whole other degree of mental fortitude. I'm assuming, based off of what I know about you and your personality in general, you took the second option. You're glad that all that happened, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there was... The moment as well where it's, um, you know, I sort of thought, oh, gosh, you know, there was so much time and expenditure and expense that went into that process. Um, and it would be very easy to dwell on that. But, you know, you're right. It's just not the sort of person that I am. And, and I know that, you know, there are things that, you know, life isn't a smooth, perfect journey. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that process that we went through because I've come out the other side of it with so much more. One, I know that when the pressure is on if and push comes to shove, I actually am capable of so much more sometimes than I give myself credit for. So, you know, there is, you know, one of the things also is I, I kind of also like, I've been thinking a lot more about the fact that in the human race, we all have exactly the same amount of time. We've got the same 24 hours in a day. And it's the one thing that no matter what your background, wealth or experience in life is, that everybody only ever has 24 hours, you know, and, you know, if you're a really wealthy person, you can't buy yourself more time. Um, and if you're, you know, living in a different space, no one can take your time away from you. It's just how you use it and, and what you choose to, to put your energy into because time at the end of the day, um, I think I read somewhere recently is um, a, a really valuable commodity um, and it would be very easy to waste it. But if you use it carefully, then you can do things like what I've just done. So what I learned is that, um, you know, I, I, you know, because of the due diligence, I learned a lot more about what I need to be looking for and if I'm purchasing a business. So I've got all of that knowledge about what it takes to set up a successful facility and the sorts of documentation that I should be asking for and about what some of those systems and processes should be. So I know what a great facility is going to look like. Um, and I also know um, in terms of what I can do, I've got time on my hands now to put ourselves into a better position so that when the next opportunity comes along, we're just ready to jump at it. Um, and so that's, that's the mindset that that I've chosen to, to put my energy into. There's, yeah, there's so many, like, mentality lessons that, that can be, you know, taken from this. I mean, the the main reason I love competitions is because, I mean, not to take anything away from other hard things. I mean, you know, you know, if you're, like, on the battlefront, that's very hard. You know, I'm not trying to compare that to that. I'm not trying to compare, like, if you have a serious injury or something, you know, that that's very hard. But there's you know, a compet competition and like competition prep and then the, the mentality that comes with it, that's like a different kind of hard. And it's it's got its own, you know, you know, effects on you mentally that nothing else can, can you know, mirror. And there's no, there's the stars never align to do a competition. Like there's never a perfect time. There's always going to be some crazy thing. It's almost as if it happens, you know, and things become more crazy when you do a competition as if their stars are aligning against you. But... The thing that I like most about competing, and, and you can totally speak from this experience now yourself, is that when you do it, and you do it to the best of your ability, you know, amidst all the craziness and chaos that's going on in your life outside of the competition prep, after you step off that stage, you literally know that you can accomplish anything in life. And that's something, I mean, 
that's power at your fingertips. And I don't know of any other way to achieve that. I mean, there are other ways, there are other people that do it, but for me, that's like what is so beautiful about competing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. And that, that's exactly how I felt. So I think I really um, craved almost and but I def- and I definitely thrived off of the discipline that was required to get through both of those competitions. And the fact that I put myself under so much more pressure um, by going through the due diligence process for the for the business as well. It just was a whole nother degree of what the first competition prep was like. I don't know if I could have done that the first time around. Um, but when you come off stage, regardless of the outcome um, you know you kind of know that you've you've done it you put everything on the line and and competing um, even with your your crew and everyone who supports you for me it's my trainer it's the women that share some of my PT sessions with me um, you know my friends and my family and my husband as much as they're all there for you it is entirely your journey you are the only one who can do it it's not a team sport um, and and you you at the end of the day you, you actually have to do it for yourself you put your own food in your mouth you you put it together you do the training you do the work um it really is um your journey and there's there's such an enormous feeling of accomplishment accomplishment at the end of it um you know and and i you know you asked me the question about um you know could i have put anything more into it with the process i still never missed um any of my training sessions during the due diligence but i did wonder whether or not you know some of my, my mind was a little bit distracted i don't think it probably was i think those are just some of the questions that go through your mind when you just you can't help but to review something like this when you, when you've done it um but it's yeah it was great i wouldn't change a thing because we're in such a great space now moving forward absolutely it makes it makes your tolerance for people that complain so much less i mean i have a hard time dealing with complainers and just like excuses now in life i mean it, i just totally turned them off and i'm sure you you do the same yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I just, you know, I've learned that my, you know, again, because my time is valuable, um, if, you know, I, I just don't want to waste any of it, you know, being around anything that might distract me from what it is that, that I want to be doing and what I think is valuable. Yeah, I agree. It's crazy because, like, talking to you, you know, I could tell without without a shadow of a doubt that, that you're, like, you know, compelled to make this your life. I mean, you found your thing. You found your passion. And now every moment of your being is to bring that to, you know, fruition, and, like, I don't know, I, I, I just, I can't relate with people that just fritter away time doing, you know, meaningless, you know, things, like binge watching on Netflix, like, I, I just, we're not even speaking the same language anymore, and yeah. when you find your passion, when you find your thing that just, you know, compels you from deep within, you literally want more time in the day to work more, I mean, when you find something that you're excited to spend the next 30 years of your life working 18 hours a day on like you just got to run with it because that is something of, of beauty right there that's something that you just you got to give it your all to absolutely um and it was interesting i listened to your your podcast with marcus aurelius anderson recently and um that, that was fantastic i'm gonna you know that'll, that'll be one that i save and i'll, I'll keep going back and listening to it because there were so many gems but one of the things that i think you two talked about was how do you know what is your passion and and what it is that you're you're going to to follow you know is it something that you can make a living out of or or not 
Um, and that's, I think 2017 in many ways has been that journey for me. Um, you know, I've had a background um, for 25 years as an early childhood teacher and had my own um, childcare centres and employed lots of people. Um, but this last um, 12 months has, I've stepped out of that space um, and chose to do something a little bit different, partly because um, you know, I just wanted to see what it was like to go and do something different for a while, but also because I knew I was going to be competing and I wanted to put my time and energy into that a little bit. Um, and it hasn't worked out quite as well as what I'd expected to from um, an employment perspective. I haven't really enjoyed a lot of what I've done, but I knew I wanted to do something in the health and fitness um, space. And I just didn't know how I was going to make that happen or what it was going to look like. Um, and as much as there's been some things that um, have been really challenging um, this year, and I could have really let them get me down. Um, ultimately, it's drawn me to be able to make some conclusions um, or draw some conclusions, make decisions about what I'm going to do. Um, and so the other thing as well as the, the business side of it is um, a couple of weeks back, I also discovered that there's um, a new um, course on nutrition coaching that um, has started in New Zealand and I've enrolled to do that next year as well. So, um, yeah, so that's that's actually run by someone who supports the low-carb ketogenic approach. Um, it's, a, it's an evidence-based program really on, based on solid research and science around what's happening um, for low-carb performance um, athletes. So I'm super excited about doing that. So I'm hoping that that's really going to add another feather to the bow in terms of when I get into working in this space a lot more about what I can add um, to clients and to really bring some value for them. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Once you start on a path and you just kind of like dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper, all these opportunities pop up that you would have never seen on, from the onset, you know. But as you dig deeper into your craft, into your passion, they just seemingly pop up out of nowhere, and it's it's like fate would have it almost. But I mean, it's uh, everything just builds on itself once you once you found that niche. It, it does, it does, you know, and, and I, and it was interesting because I, you know, there were lots of things that I, you know, was, was looking at doing and considering um, staying with my, um, my undergraduate degree and my, my profession as well. And I, I did explore other opportunities of, of getting back into my own childcare centre again, and they also fell flat this year. And, and, but everything that's been a positive has been around this space and what I've found around the keto community. And I just thought, you know what? If you know, if the universe is trying to tell me something, then I think this is where it needs to be, and it and it's the thing that, um, you know, you know, starts at the fire in me, and it's the one thing that I do feel truly passionate about right now. So it's that's where I need to be. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I, I don't want to. I, I'm in no place to judge anybody else's life. Like that's not a right that I have, and I don't want this next statement to come across as doing so. But, you know, if, if somebody's, you know following the, the standard American path, you know, go to school, get a degree, get a job, work that job, retire, and you're, and you're happy, I'm happy for you. Like, if they're happy, and I'm, I'm happy for you. But if they're doing that and they're complaining or they wish their life was different, then I really want to just stress the fact that they can change their life. Like, you, you know, and I, we, we weren't blessed with anything special, we're, but we're, we're convicted by something. We're, we found our passion, we're just pouring ourselves into it, and it's working. And like my biggest fear was, you know, getting in a job that I, I didn't like. And, and my biggest fear is, is the reality for a lot of people. It was, you know, getting into a job that I don't like and, you know, working that job for 30 or 40 years so that I can have a retirement in a 401k built up enough so that I can retire, you know, after all the golden years are, you know, gone. And just so yeah. that I can, you know, sit on a beach somewhere, just do whatever. And I, it's funny to me now because like, 
looking back at that as a possibility scares the hell out of me. And and looking at my life now, like I, I work harder than I've ever worked before. You work harder than you've ever worked before. But I would literally be happy doing this until the day that I died. And there's no, I want to live a life that I don't have to retire from, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of the, it's, and, it, and it is really hard for, for a lot of people. And, and I think that, you know, everyone feels enormous sort of societal pressures, I think, to do particular things in life. Um, you know, and, you know, and, and again, and I'll share something about myself that some people, you know, really won't be able to relate to because a lot of people find this just not right. But my husband and I also made a conscious decision that we would not have children. Um, and particularly because I worked as an early childhood teacher, a lot of people found that even stranger. It's like, you know, you work with preschoolers. How can you not want to have children? It's like, I, I love kids. I'm passionate about education. And I have had the most amazing 25 year career working in the industry. Um, but it wasn't something that I always knew it wasn't something that I wanted to do for myself. Um, you know, because I knew, um, travel is something that, that we both absolutely love. And I knew, always knew that I wanted to, to work with people and to work in communities and to help people be it in education or now moving into, um, you know, this nutrition, health, fitness space. Um, you know, I love to, to do all of that, but it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted for, um, for us at home, but people just have to, um, you know, make decisions because you can, you've got to live your life and you get one shot at it and you may as well be happy and, and others are going to judge you, but you shouldn't necessarily be put off with that. What I'm more interested in is why other people care so much about how others live their life. If it's not affecting you, if it's not hurting another person, then just let people be. Um, but, you know, and unfortunately with society being the way it is, that's, that's not often what happens. It's because they, like, if, if they've given up on their dreams they want to be able to, and not even like consciously, it's almost subconsciously, they want to bring others down to their level so they can relate with them more. So it's kind of like a selfish task, again, you know, unconsciously, but they, they want to be able to relate with them. And, and if somebody's going, you know, totally going, you know, gangbusters on their dreams and following their passion and living life day to day exactly how they want to, they can't even relate. So it's it's like they don't really even support it, which it, which is sad. You know, that's a sad reality, but that that is the reality, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and people, you know, don't re um, realize sometimes how easy it is. You can make really simple um, choices about how you spend your time and, and use the income that you have to be able to follow your passions and to find ways of making that your life. You know, you mentioned um, earlier about, you know, not being able to perhaps relate to people who might, um, you know, spend a lot of time, say, you know, watching Netflix and things like that and then complaining about not not how happy they are. Um, you know, one of the things that I did um, last year, my husband and I just so decided that when we were um, really getting into our personal training sessions and how much we were enjoying them and it was making a real positive change in our life, we um, decided that we would give up our cable TV subscription because um, we wanted more more personal training sessions and so that was how we were going to pay for it and we were spending far less time on the couch watching tv which was having such a positive impact on it but it didn't just change our degree of, of fitness and our health it just changed our mental outlook and all of a sudden once you sort of see one thing that's a positive for yourself all of a sudden it's like this cloud is lifted and and all of a sudden you see all these other opportunities that are in front of you that you never even knew were there in the first place. So for me, it's been this um, ongoing two year journey to get to the point that I am today. Um, and it's yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's it's been fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just 
I'm just beaming with excitement for you. And I mean, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Like I, I've never owned a TV. Like my, my parents are very old school and, and they've never had a TV. So I just kind of grew up not having one. And, and honestly, looking back now, like that's one of the, I'm very thankful that that's kind of how they raised me because I never had that as a distraction to begin with. And there's so much more I've accomplished uh, in my life thus far, having not had that as a distraction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's and I can imagine it, it's it's I guess it's a similar thing for um for people with the food. You know, when you're you have had carbs in your life, um, you know, up to the point that you decide to go keto, it's it is really hard sometimes to not remember what that past life was was like or you know, or you you know, when you make that change. So if you've had TVs, sometimes that can be a difficult thing to think about giving up, but once you do, it just makes such a difference in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I really want to talk about your kind of like mindset and approach. I mean, you you said that you you have a house that you built. Was it seven or nine years ago? Uh, so nine years ago, we've been you've been here. Nine, yeah, nine and a half years. Nine and a half years. Okay, so a lot of you know sentimental value there. You've made the conscious decision to sell that, downsize, so that you have fewer expenses, so that you're more able to invest in you know, the future that you have passion for, such as buying your own gym or making your own gym. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty ballsy move. Like a lot of people don't, don't give themselves, you know, they don't even think of that as an option, but I mean, you're doing what you have to, to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's been a really, um, it's been a really tough decision. So we, we, lo we love our place. Um, you know, it's, it's great. It's, you know, we built it um, from scratch. We bought two and a half acres, which was literally just a, there was nothing here as bare land, uh, you know, a paddock um, 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago and, and built the house. And our house, um, you know, everything happens here with our extended family. Um, so I'm the oldest of, of six children and um, and the six of us are very close. So my nieces and nephews have their own bedroom in my house and um, family christenings and celebrations and um, all sorts of really important events have happened here over the last um, nearly 10 years and it's going to be very very difficult um, to walk away from it um, you know but you know it's just something that's got to happen because this other dream is something that is bigger and I read a business book um, many years ago and and I don't know why but this one statement in the book is always sort of stuck at the back of my mind and and it, one of the things that it said is you know a lot of people because for New Zealanders it's a, it's a very big thing to own your own home and um, and the author of this particular book had said you know maybe the home has got to go when you are thinking about how you're going to get into to whatever it is that your dream is um, and at the time I remember thinking oh my gosh and we weren't even in this particular house at that time but I remember thinking oh, I, I don't think I could ever give up my house um, but it's always been a statement that's been at the back of my mind and now that I've got to this turning point and it's like well you either want this Teresa or you don't this is going to be a way that you can make that happen and so we've just decided well we've got a shot you know we can always build another house um, and at the end of the day your memories are something that no one can take away from you. They're not—they're not a physical thing. Um, you know, they're not my friends and family. They'll still be there. Um, so we'll just—we'll um, we'll do this to to get us to where it is that we want to be. I love it. I love it. And and how old are you, Teresa? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm 43. So I had my birthday when we were away in Vietnam. Oh, happy happy, <laughs> happy late birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So so 43. You know, selling your house. Um, to follow your passion. So, some people might, might call that like a midlife crisis. <laughs> Potentially, maybe. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> That's a good crisis, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah. It's um I mean, I think what we're doing is we we're just looking at basically um you know, putting our equity in a different space. So it means that we will hopefully not ha- we won't be servicing the size mortgage that we are now so that any um, finance that we need to arrange to get into a business will be on um, an income generating investment as opposed to, you know, the house, like we'll be living somewhere that's more secure. Because the other thing that I've done is um, I have resigned from my day job. So um, Tuesday this week coming is my last day in paid employment. Um, So that's how much of a gamble I'm taking here. I'm literally jumping off the deep end into the unknown just to make all of this work. That's good. I I commend that. I mean, more than you could possibly ever know, because like, I don't know, that just really resonates with me. And I don't, it, it's, it's all worth it. It'll all pan out. And there's going to be hard times ahead. Like, I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat that. That's, there's going to be hard times. Money's going to be, you know, challenged. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe. It, it has been for me. Like, when I quit my job uh, after I graduated college, you know, followed the whole protocol, got a job, you know, making, you know, pretty good money, especially right out of college, you know, bought my house, did the whole, you know, ideal situation, and then quit all that and jumped off the deep end similar to yourself, I mean, there's like, it's kind of like a oh shit moment, you know, like, is this going to work? Am I making a huge mistake? And then once you start to gain traction, it's like you will never look back. Yeah, I've I've definitely felt the same. And, you know, on the day, the day that I handed my notice in at work and, and I, and I text my husband because I, you know, I wasn't particularly um, happy in, in the role that I was doing. And I, and I text him and I said, okay, it's not a great day today. Are you okay with me if, if today is the day that I, I handed my notice? And, um, and he said, yeah, no, that's fine. Just, just do it. Um, and so once I did, and once, you know, um, you know, I just felt like this huge weight had been lifted and it's like, okay, I made that final decision. I've taken the final step that I need to, um, to make this work. And so now, um, you know, after Tuesday, I'm not going to have any reason to not put 110% focus into making all of this happen. So there's a lot of things that we've got to do to our house to get it ready for, for sale. So it goes to market in January and, um, it'll be an auction in February and fingers crossed we'll be moving around the first weekend of March. So it's quite a drawn out process. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. No, there's, I don't know, one, one of my other fears is, is feeling trapped and I don't know, like a lot of times people, you know, they buy their house, they have a good job, they, they have expenses, they have like a mortgage, they have, you know, car payments, they just feel trapped in their current situation in life and that just compounds and compounds and before you know it, you're 30 years down the road and you're still in the same position you, you know, you just basically jumped off a deep end, quit your job, selling your house that you lived in for nine and a half years. And I don't know, like, I'm proud of you. I, I'm excited for you. Like, I'm, I'm ecstatic right now. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. That, that means a lot. It's, um, I'm, I'm really excited, but you know, I, I can't deny the fact that I'm, I'm terrified about it as, as well. So, um, there's, all of that security is wrapped up, you know, in being in somewhere, like, you know, such as having employment and knowing that, you know, the salary is going to come in and you're going to pay the bills. So, um, you know, that's but that's part of the reason why we're doing the downsides because we want to remove some of that pressure. So at least for, you know, 12 months or something, um, while we sort of put all of this together, that um, you know the finances are taking are taken care of, we're going to have a roof over our heads and that'll be fine, um, you know. But it means that we've got the shot to be able to make the happen and, and there's every chance that it's just going to be um fantastic so so yeah well i have to keep you posted on how that goes <laughs> yeah definitely keep me posted you, you need to you need to document the journey like i don't know I, I i'm a big believer in documenting the process and you're doing some really really cool stuff so i mean 
I highly encourage you to think of yourself like a brand. I mean, so many people would benefit from from watching you throughout this this whole stage. You know, like whether that's like a a podcast or a YouTube channel or just like a blog. You know, like people in similar situations to you would. I mean, you you could help people. You know, people could look at you and, and be inspired to do something similar. And and I think that that's part of um, the the passion that I've realised that I have is um, because I've come from that background of of education and I've worked a lot, particularly in the space of leadership and management and and mentoring um, the teachers that I employed. Um, you know that that's that's really going to help me moving forward. And I've had so many people in the last um, few months since my first competition, both here in New Zealand and from overseas, um, who have reached out to me and and asked for support and help. And I've really enjoyed that and so I wanted to be able to do that a lot better um, um, so I am working um, in the background as well on putting together um, a website um, for, as sort of the space where I'm probably going to start in terms of where I'm going to put up some of the things that I'm doing and I have been um, just writing down almost sort of journaling um, with the view to starting a blog around what I'm doing so I've got um, some more documentation around what happened for it for me more detail around what I did when I was in Vietnam what it was like to be um, traveling um, and managing the ketogenic approach through to where I am now in terms of the decisions that I've made. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you recognize that and are encouraging of sort of sharing some of that with with the world um, because I'd like to be able to do that. And it'll be interesting to see how some of it's received. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people, I'd like to get your take on this. When you're doing something, you know, kind of, you know, outside of the norm, some people take the approach of I'm not going to tell anybody until after I've accomplished my goal and made it, you know, you know, come to reality, and then I'll tell everybody. And some people tell everybody from the onset to kind of like hold them accountable. What, what is your approach? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm a little bit of both, depending on on what it is. So, with um, my bodybuilding competition, um, like I didn't tell my family even that I was doing it until um, sort of a good two or nearly three months after I'd made the decision to do it. Although, you know, they kind of knew. They were just like, oh, you know, come on, just admit it to us. We, you know, we know this is what you're doing. So, so I did, but I didn't announce it to um, anybody else, um, my friends and family, until after I had um, been on stage. And again, some of that is is my personality type and I just know that I'm naturally quite competitive and I often don't put myself into a situation until I know that I'm going to have got a reasonable degree that I'm going to be quite successful at that um, and other times um, I'm really happy just to sort of share it because I know that there's you know something that I don't know a lot about and I want to be able to learn from others and, and ask for help um, you know no one likes to be able to um, you know, put it out there and then perhaps not be successful um, but you know everybody you know you've just got to remember that you learn from those situations and not every person is is successful at everything they choose to do in life um, you know which perhaps you know we should just be um, clarify with the audience exactly what the result was from the nationals competition as well while we're talking about not being so successful um, so in the end there were um, meant to be eight of us in my class and only four of us um, got up on the night um, a couple pulled out and one competitor didn't make her weight so um, so I didn't place um, in the nationals competition um, the other ladies who I stood up against were fantastic they sort of had two to three years experience on me which is where that little anomaly around the novice class um, comes into play because none of them had won their competitions previously um, they were able to, to continue competing as novice competitors um, you know but it was the experience that I got so much from you know the the top 100 athletes amateur 
amateur athletes from New Zealand were there on that night. And there was so many great connections that I made and so many fantastic, more experienced competitors that I was able to see um, firsthand and face-to-face who I'd been following on social media. And it was really inspiring. And so, you know, now I know where I want to go and it's only, um, you know, made my drive more determined than anything to sort of stay with it and keep going. Absolutely. And and regardless of the placing, I mean, if you've known, if you know that you've put forth your best effort, I mean, nobody can take that away from you. And like, I, I don't ever play for second place either. Like I play to win. But I mean, if, if you're competing against somebody that has, you know, five more years of experience, then and, and they're they're putting forth that same effort, they have the right to win. There's kind of like a, a time anomaly with bodybuilding, like time, I mean, it compounds, and if, if someone has five years on you, they have five years on you. It's hard, hard to uh, compete against. Absolutely, you know, and that's why, you know, there is there is an awful lot of, um, you know, merit in, in the suggestion, um, you know, to sort of perhaps not even not compete as soon as what I, I was maybe thinking about doing in 2018 and, and put on the size because that's that's what I need to do at this point. So, you know, the, the um, lady who came first in my class in the competition the previous year had um, come, had placed fourth the same as me, but against um, a very good friend of mine who was there as my backstage help on the night. Um, you know, so it was it's really interesting to see how that particular woman had changed in in 12 months time and that's the the awesome thing that I love about this is seeing everybody's um, progression so I know that there's just you know a a good few years yet that I've got to be in this space and and lots of opportunities so I'm just looking forward to staying with it absolutely well you've I mean like I said this is your first and second shows 2017 I mean you've got many more great competitions to come because I can tell this is this is the lifestyle for you now you know yep I hope so um, well, what, uh, we've been going for like an hour. I mean, I, I'm, I can still pick your brain about a million things, but was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? We'll have to do a third follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see this is just going to become a, you know, going to have a side addition or something for what's happening in Teresa's life. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good for time. I've actually got, um, I've got training in an hour, so I can talk for for a little bit, um, Interestingly, the, the the new house that we're looking at, at moving from, I've timed it as a three and a half minute drive from my gym. So um, I might have to start doing that as my warm up and, and actually walk or run to the gym or something for sessions. That's good. So. That's good. It's, it's funny. <laughs> you, you know you're addicted when whenever you move, you you kind of surround your you, you look at the gym locations first. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I, we can't move out of the area because, the, we, and I have to stay at that gym because that's where my trainer works, and and I'm not working with anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so uh, talk a little bit about um, kind of what what you want to do. Like, what uh, what do you see? Like, what's your vision for the gym that you want to either make or acquire in the future? Like, what what niche do you want to market to? I've had a few ideas around that and I, I think it's um I think I just want to actually make it really accessible for everyday people to come in and learn that they actually can take um, control of their own health and that it is something that should be a priority in their life instead of a luxury. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned as well, um, and once I've got into understanding more about my um, health and the nutrition side of it, is that you you can't actually look at any of these things in isolation. It is actually completely holistic. And so I've sort of started thinking about it for myself as being around it's a total health approach and that's what I would want to be putting together for people so something that was inclusive and that anyone could come in and be empowered to pick up some weights um, and and do some training so 
Um, I think the biggest challenge for me actually is is going to be finding the space if I was doing it from scratch because that seems to be something that's that's really difficult. Um, but also working with um, with women as well who tend to really underestimate themselves. Men, it seems to be really easy sometimes to get into those spaces, but women definitely feel um, less inclined to do it. And also they tend they tend to also have a lot more commitments maybe outside of um, the gym and their work life as well. So um, looking after children and things like that. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see kind of more the the movers and shakers in the women community, especially with keto. You know, there's like Crystal. You know, she's starting her own podcast. Uh, you know, with female ketogenic athletes. Like, it's exciting to see the females kind of take more of a stand. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and I think it's um about one of those things as well about you know for women you know, empowering them and encouraging them to actually see themselves as being strong, you know, um, and being able to lift really heavy weights and not needing um, someone to help them with that, you know, but um, and having really good form and, and seeing what that does for themselves and not necessarily, um, you know, worrying because women do not automatically have um, body image, you know, um, you know, issues and things like that. And I, I've certainly, you know, um, done that as well as how, you know, my motivation in the early days is to get into the space because you look at what's in magazines and on TV and on social media and you want to you want to look great. You want to feel pleased about what you see in the mirror. Um, so for a lot of women, that's the driving factor to start with. But it's getting them off of the yo-yo approach and where they think that and and helping them to find something that is fits in with their lifestyle and day-to-day life and is maintainable over time yeah absolutely and and there's so much like i don't know women there seems to be a lot of um uh, just unknowns when it comes to, like weight training for women and I don't, I don't know where the whole stigma of they they're going to lift a couple weights and they're going to look like men came from but uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth <laughs> yeah, and I, I will testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, I mean, you're, I, I ran the conversion at the beginning of the call. So at, at your weight in kilos, you're like right around 98, 99 pounds. So under 100 pounds uh, yeah. in, you know, US conversion. And, and w- what are some of the numbers you're pushing? Oh, okay. So, um, uh, well, now that I'm uh, my macros are back up and I'm eating a little bit more food at the moment, I'm yeah, it's it's great to see some of the the lifts that that I'm doing. So my um, my deadlift at the moment is is still around that ninety kilo mark. Um, so um, that'd be yeah, one hundred ninety eight pounds. Yeah, so so twice my body weight, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and <coughs> excuse me. So a lot of Oh, sorry, I had a crack in my throat there. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of things that, that I'm doing are, are a lot more than what I weigh. Um, so this week I was doing um, hack squats, which is, is probably my last um, nemesis in the gym. It is it is one of my least favorite things to do. Um, and I got a couple of PRs on that this week, and I think I got up to 65 kilos Um and I'm st- and I weigh at the moment I'm around 48 kilos. So I've put on a little bit um, since since nationals. Um, yeah, so women shouldn't be afraid of how heavy they can they can go. And it's and it's lifting heavy and doing volume and, and all of those sorts of things that that gets the shape that what women typically call that is being toned. Um, it's it's basically it's building muscle, you know, and you've you've got to have that muscle um, to you know to be able to um, to get that shape that it is that they're looking for. Absolutely, and and. Another lesser known fact I think amongst women is that I mean the more muscle they have, the the better their metabolism is going to be functioning. The more calories they're going to burn by default. You're going to burn more calories after weight training than you will cardio. I mean, there's just so many more positive implications that come with, you know, weight training than just like standalone cardio. 
Absolutely. Um, and someone asked me the other day, you know, how much, um, you know, how much cardio do you do you have to do to get ready for, for competing and things? And I said, um, honestly, I, I hardly did any cardio at all until sort of, I think it was maybe eight to 10 weeks out of um, stepping on stage the first time around before I sort of started introducing the cardio and it started out only a couple of times a week and then it sort of got up to, you know, four, maybe five mornings a week. But it was only 20 minute bursts um, on that Stairmaster, which is a color of a machine, but it's it's great for that. Yeah, and that's that, that's the exact same thing I experienced with my prep too. I mean, ideally, you, your training stays pretty much consistent throughout your, your you taper your macros, you change your macros, but the cardio is a, uh, you know, if, if you're doing, you know, an hour and a half of cardio six days a week, a month out, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, with taking on the study. So the fact that I have found, um, you know, a program that I can do that's going to be focused around nutrition, but it actually is bent towards working specifically with, um, with athletes is that I'm hoping to be able to really understand a lot better myself um, for my own progress, but also in terms of being able to help people um, to follow a low carb approach um, or a ketogenic approach and be able to marry that with sports performance as well and to get the best out of it that they want to be able to do. Absolutely. Well, I'll, uh, let you finish that course, and then I'll, I'll hire you for my next prep. How about that? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. We can definitely compare notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, we'll just have to continue this communication for, you know, a lot, future to come, years to come, because it's just going to keep getting more and more exciting as as you keep getting more and more involved. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm just – I can't even stress how excited I am for you. It's just so inspirational to see you, you know – moving away from what you've known and what's secure to follow your passion. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, like business, passion, you know, fitness, like, I, I love it. Like, I, I just, it's the life that I'm trying to build for myself that I, I, I get excited to see other people build for themselves as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think in, the other thing in my heart of hearts that I realized as well is that, um, I'm much happier myself as well in, in being the driving force behind what it is that I'm doing in terms of where I'm putting my energy in, in employment and, and in my work. Um, you know, with my um, childcare centres that I had, I loved, you know, doing the marketing and to bring the best from my teachers and inspiring and helping and motivating people. So in essence, I'm still going to be doing a lot of that. It's just in a different sector, in a, in a different space and something else that I've found a passion for. And people need to understand that, you know, they've they've got their their own skills and things and that they just have to find a way of, of um you know, making that something that they can do more and, and what they can do for other people. It's it's there if you see it. It's yeah, having a more open mind about how you look at it. Yeah, I think I think kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about you know complaining and whatnot. But I, I mean, the the buck stops with you. I mean, you have whether you're happy or sad or you know successful or, or a failure, that is all on you. Like at the end of the day, you command your own life, no matter what you're doing, whether you're following your passion or whether you're stuck in a job you hate. Like it's your fault, whether good or bad. You know. Yeah, and and I um I took your advice after the last time we talked as well, and I listened to um the obstacle is the way um you know between the the two competitions, which is a fantastic book, and I I do highly recommend that to anyone. And you know, like they say, is you know you can only control your own thoughts. You can't control the things that happen around you or what other people do. It's it's you can only control the way that you respond to any given situation. And if you're going to focus on things that are terrible you can't change them and they're still going to be and they are what they are but you choose to give it the importance or the significance that you do for yourself and um and how you move forward um Absolutely. and it's 
it's the only op- option that you have. Kind of exactly what happened to you with, you know, like the uh, due diligence falling through there the last two weeks. I mean, that that was going to happen either way. How you approached it was all on you. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, Teresa, it is always a pleasure. And I could, I, we can we can make this a three-hour podcast, but we'll have to just <laughs> do a, a part two. Um, for anybody that hasn't listened to the first one, where would they go to find out more about you? Uh, they can probably uh, find me on Instagram is, is the best place. So that is um, Bloss, B-L-O-S-S, 7436. Um, and once I get my website and, and blogs and things um, up and running, I'll, I'll post it there. So if anyone who does want to follow me a bit more, that's that's where that stuff will be. Well, I'm definitely excited for that to roll out. If you have any questions, I mean, I'm kind of learning as I go myself, but if you have any questions on, you know, what platforms to use for website design or podcasting, I, I'll certainly tell you everything I know. Fantastic. You, you're definitely the first place I'm coming to ask for help. <laughs> well, I've got a good a lot of resources anyways where you can look to find better people, but hopefully I can point you in the right direction at least. Fantastic. No, appreciate that, Robert. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Teresa, always a pleasure. Very excited for you. Definitely keep me in the loop with anything new and uh, exciting going on in your life because I'm eager to follow along. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks, Robert. I will definitely stay in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care.